Welcome, everyone. So, so good. Really, so good and so special to have this group. I know I keep saying that. It's because I keep meaning it. Then that's the truth, really. I mean it. This is something just very, very special. Whenever Jews get together and they want to do something with their life and they want to reconnect, we should know that we're engaged in something of supreme importance and holiness. And now in Elo, oh my goodness, Elo. I'm not officially talking about Elo today, but Elo, how are we not talking about? It's the sweetest month in the whole world. You just don't get better than this month. I am to my beloved, my beloved is to me. The doors are thrown open. What we do today has an impact beyond our imaginations. What can happen in this month? The month of opportunities. So here we get together and we're going to discuss something. We're going to discuss something so relevant to Elul, so relevant to growth, so unbelievable. And everything that we do during this month, don't sleep this month away. This, this is the time. This is the time to transform. The Nesiva Shalom had a dream once. He said that he one time had a dream. And in the dream, Elo, he went through Elo and he missed it. And then it was Rosh Hashanah and he was not interested. Then he went through the 10 days of repentance and he didn't care about it. And then Yom Kippur, the holiest day, the day of forgiveness and purity, and he clutched right through it. Eh, nothing, he missed it. This was his dream. He said in, in, in his dream, he had just gone through Yom Kippur and the whole Elul Rosh Hashanah, Aserah Simei with Yom Kippur, he missed the whole thing. He just was snoozing through the whole thing. And in his dream, he was panicked. Oh, I can't believe I, I missed it. Those are the best days of the year. What happened to me? What happened to me? And then he woke up in bed. And it was Erev Rosh Chodesh Elul. Elul was about to begin. And he jumped out of bed. And he said, Baruch Hashem, I still have it all in my hand to do something with. Hear that story? <laughs> the Nesim Shalom has nightmares about missing Elul. You and I, these are not our nightmares. <laughs> but when you realize what it is, how great it is, he had a nightmare that he missed the treasure of Elul, the treasure of Rosh Hashanah, the treasure of the Aseri Simei the treasure of Yom Kippur. He woke up, he said, Baruch Hashem, I didn't miss it. It was just a nightmare. I could do something with it. We just woke up and we have Elo. We have Rosh Hashanah. We have Yom Kippur. We have these glorious days. We can do something with it. We can do astonishing things with this time of year. Let's jump out of bed and say, Baruch Hashem for this gift. Ani I'm to my beloved. My beloved is to me. Like the Cabrina said, you could be drunk on that line, the whole Elul. Let's make sure we get good and drunk. All right? This will be the only time you hear me say that. Go out and get good and drunk. Get good and drunk on that line. I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. Now with that, let's begin. Okay? It's Parshas Kiseitze. And one of the reasons I particularly love the piece we're going to do today from the Nesiva Shalom is because he's going to take a verse that we would have walked right past and just ignored it. And he is going to pull from this verse, this one simple mitzvah, 
is going to pull such a powerful and relevant message and direction to us in Elo. And I just love that. I love that when they show you, you see how deep this goes? You see how much is here? You walked right past it? Don't walk right past it. Look again. Look what could be found in these words. And with the help of the Nesiva Shalom, we're going to see what's in these words. What's the verse that we would have passed? A single verse in this parsha. When a person will build a new house, they must make sure to make a fence around the roof. So that nobody should fall off the roof and heaven forbid, die. Simple pasik, one and done. There's no intro. There's no post-game wrap-up. It's just one pasik, and you would breeze right by it. When you build a new house, you got to put a fence on the roof. And this is a real halacha. There are real details about it, which we're not going to discuss now. But if a person has a roof or a balcony, something that's accessible and it's dangerous, there is an actual mitzvah, a requirement to put a fence up. The Nesiva Shalom, of course, is going to see something deeper in this. And he starts by asking a pusik, a question that tells us that there's something deeper going on. And he says, let me ask you something. If your house is not new and there's a dangerous roof, does it need a fence? Yes, it does. Why did the pusik say, why did Hashem choose to say when you build a new house? What does it have to do with a new house? Nothing. When you have a house, put up a fence. Why a new house? That's the first hint that there's a a different message alluded to here. The second, why did we pick a roof? When you build a new house, put a fence on the roof. You know, there are other cases. If a person has a pit that's very dangerous, people could fall in, they also need a fence. So why are we focused on the roof? Two questions. Why a new house and why are we focused on the roof? Okay. That's the questions. And with that, the Nesiv Hashem says, I'd like to tell you that there is a deeper message going on inside this commandment. Of course, the commandment means what it means. But there's also a message to a Jew that's going to come to this parsha, And this parsha is always read in Elo. And a Jew who reads this in Elo, if they read it right with the lens of the Nesiv Hashem, they're going to see a message that they could take with them forward into Elo. First statement of the Nesiv Shalom. We're going to cover four. Okay? We're going to cover four points of growth and advice from this one commandment. Start with number one. Says the Nesiv Shalom. From the base Avram, his Rebbe. On the Pasik says, Yazov Russia Darkly. A Russia needs to abandon his ways. Somebody who has done something wrong needs to abandon his ways. And listen to what the base Avram says. And this is so important what we're about to say for our outlook on Elo. What do we want to do in Elo? 
What do we want to do when we say, let's pick ourselves up, get ready for Rosh Hashanah, get ready for Yom Kippur, Elo, let's do something different. What are we trying to do? So very often, we say, well, let's find this one specific thing I do wrong. Let's target the problems. And then let's resolve the problems. Now, that's not a bad thing to do. And of course, that's essential to growth. But I want you to hear what the Beis Avram says the goal is for Elo. And that the goal, it's a difference of the vision we have for ourselves. Listen to what he says. He says, no, it's not just about fixing the specific problem. That's not all that Elo is about. Rather, you ready? The Pasuk says, abandon your way. You know what that means? It means don't just, don't trip on the way. Pick a different path. Get yourself on a new path. Listen to the words. Abandon the path you've been going on till now. We got to get ourselves on a new path, a new trajectory. You know why the Pasik said, spoke about building a new house, not an old house? You know why it spoke about a new house? Because it was trying to tell us what we should do during Elo. It's time to build a brand new house for ourselves. A new house. You know what this means? I was once in a certain house and we were experiencing problems. First one thing would go, call the landlord. And there'd be another thing to go, call the landlord. Yeah, it, it just kept, it kept happening. And at a certain point, you start to be like, am I breaking this house? <laughs> Do I not know how to use a house? Why is everything breaking? And the building manager came by one time and he said, I want you to know something, by the way, none of this is your fault. This house is so old and was put together so poorly that it will just keep having problems. So we're going to come in and we're going to fix that electric wire. But you know what? The other one's going to go also. It's going to go in a month. It's going to go in three months. The plumbing's going to go. Why? Because the whole thing is just too old and it's got too many problems with it. What do you really need to do? You got to build a new house. So we can band-aid this house, but you know that in a month there's going to be another problem and we'll have to band-aid that. We'll have to band-aid that. And I really feel like that experience I had is a perfect parable to what we're saying here. The goal of Elul is not just to stick band-aids on little parts of our life, although certainly that's something we do, and it's certainly part of the battle with the Yitzhahara. But we have higher aspirations than that. It's during Elul we want to build a new life. We want to build a new house, not one that keeps having leaks and we're going to keep plugging the leaks. We want to get back down to the core of the way we live and why we live and shift that part of ourselves. 
Yes, the outcrops we need to fix, but so much of that is in that core. What are our goals in life? We could keep band-aiding our Judaism. We could. But there's a, such a sweeter, better way. And it's the goal of Elo is Kisivne Bayez Chadash. Go out there and build yourself a brand new house. Build a new Judaism for yourself. What, what happened? You know what new Judaism means? It's the first, it's what we have in our Mrs. Yisharim. His sec, it is, let's just review, introduction, first parak, okay? First parak, Mrs. Yisharim. Machli be'alamai. What are we doing in this world? Why do we wake up in the morning? The core of our house. Our entire Judaism pivots on really one point. How real is our purpose to us? How real is it? And what happens a lot of times is we start to lose that passion, that clarity. We lose that drive of what it's all about, about why we wake up in the morning, about how Hashem is waiting there for us, smiling down, looking, oh, Shuki, good morning. Shuki, this is the day. Like Halacha says, do you know that the Halacha says, do you know why we wash our hands in the morning? The hal- this is the Halacha. We wash our hands, right? Three times alternating. One, two, three. Why, why do we do that in the morning? Halacha says, because just like the priest, the Kayin, washed his hands before entering the temple to do service, so to a Jew, when they wake up in the morning, they are entering the temple. The temple of what? Of a day of life. And it's time to wash your hands, to purify yourself like a Kayin entering the base Hamikdash. That's the halacha. Basic Judaism. Perspective. Immutable perspective in Judaism. Not a suggestion. Why we wash in the morning is because the day in front of us is a day in the base of Mikdash with Hashem. How quickly does that fade though? How quickly do we lose that? And then what happens is we see, oh, this problem. We see this anger, or we see this frustration, or we see that in this area of commandments, we're slackening off, or our lush and horror we're talking about. We see all these areas which start to decay, and we go running around because we do care. I'm not saying we're the people who don't care. We do care. So we go running around, and we try and stop them here and there and everywhere, and of course we should. That's our mission. But let's build the whole house. Let's just tear that thing down, and let's build a house that's rock solid, that has that core engine so that it's constantly being infused with the firepower that impacts everything else. Don't settle for less. In Elo, don't settle. You don't need to. We have the world available to us. Let's not settle with putting on a Band-Aid. Let's go back to revisit Parak 1, the first chapter of Mrs. Yisharim. Why am I here? Why do I wake up in the morning? Why does my life rock? Even if everything is rocky. Why does my life rock? Why does every moment here have such potential that it literally crackles 
If we could hear it, we would hear crackling of holiness. Let's get back on board with our purpose. Let's, let's get ourselves on a whole new path. A whole new unbelievable trajectory with our core values back. Let's build our house. You know, it's like the difference. You're going to put in central air or not. These things make a difference. We've got to imagine we're building our house right now, you know? You don't put in central air and then you got to put a unit in each place, you know, and you need to figure out. And then that one room is hot. One, yeah, central air. What is that? You got something pumping the cold air into the whole building. That's how you build it. Let's build it new. Let's get something that's pumping core values into our entire life. That's our choice to build that house right now in Elo, to build ourselves a new house, to remember our core values, to remember that, 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 that what we do here is the most important thing in the world. It's an unbelievable parable they give to life. I'm sure you've heard it before. Somewhat well-known. So there was this contractor. And after many years on the job, he decided he's going to retire. And he'll begin to save up money. And he'll buy himself a nice house. And that's it. He wants to retire and relax. So he goes to his boss and he tells his boss... You know, we've been friends for so long. We've worked together for so long. I want out. I want to retire. So the boss says, sure, absolutely. I get it 100%. Can you do me a favor, though? Can you stick around for just one more project? One more, build me this one more project, this house, beautiful. We'd like to build a house right by this lakeside. Can you do me a favor and just stick around for one more project? It's an important one to me. The guy says, yeah, you know, one more project, sure. See, so he shows up to the job and he begins, but you know, his heart's not in it. He's like, I, I want out. You know, and he's like, you know, this, the house they want me to build is expensive. You know what? I want to save up for my house after retirement. Let me use cheaper materials. Let me use cheaper materials. Save up. And he begins to cut his costs and he cuts corners and he's doing shoddy work. And he's pulling off the house, but he knows that house is not going to last. That house is not good. And he's happy because he's saving a little bit of money, a little pocket change. And he doesn't care because he really wants out anyways. And now he's got some money to buy a house and he finishes the job and he tells his boss, okay, I'm done. I'll see you around. I'm going off to retire. And the boss says, thank you so much for doing that one last project. I just have one last thing for you. And he hands him the keys to the house. He says, this is my parting gift to you, my friend. That's your house you just built. And he says, oh, man. Oh, man, oh, man. I shot myself in the foot, didn't I? I was building my house. Why didn't I build myself the best house in the world? (laughs) Oh, what a great parable. All right, what a great parable. We got to wake up in the morning and realize we are building our own house. Every day of life is the life that we have. What we put into it is what we get out of it. In this world, the happiness, the connection with Hashem, the meaning, and our eternity. Literally, the house we will live in forever is built out of today. Build yourself a beautiful house. 
realize the get back in line with the core values, realize that every day is that significant. You cut corners in your day, you're cutting corners in your house. So we don't want to do that. That's what we got to get our core values back and realize every day is that great. A core value is to realize how great the day is, to realize we're building our own house, to realize that our relationship with Hashem is fashioned out of what we do, to realize that the world is crackling with electricity when we do something good, to realize that the struggles are what we're meant to tackle, to realize the greatness of every moment and how we are building a house for ourselves and for Hashem in this world. Let's get realigned with that. Let's not band-aid our Judaism. Let's build ourselves a mansion. This is an unbelievable insight from the Nisiv Shalom. I must say it's unbelievable. It changes our perspective, our goals, whether we see small or we see big, but it also addresses a very important conflict that we have. Because when it comes to this time of year, we begin to talk about change. Most of us hide under our cover. And why? Because firstly, change, that sounds so big. It sounds so looming. It sounds so overwhelming. And you're going to say, change your life around. Uh, Build a new house. Oh, now now he doesn't even want me to fix my mistakes. Now he wants me to start a whole new thing. I, I can't get enough. This guy is too much. And then you say, well, do a small thing. A small thing is not significant. No, I want to do something big, but I can't do something big. Oh, we're out to lunch. Oh, we're done. We're out to lunch. A classic. As we all know, the great line that was said, that one of the greatest tactics of the evil inclination is the approach of all or nothing. Ah, that kills us every time. All or nothing. But I want to tell you something so important to realize. Once we recognize that our goal here is not just to plug the hole, it's to change the direction of our life, then I'm going to tell you something that's so important to keep in mind. A guy is trying to find an address. He's trying to find his way home. So you see him, you catch him, He's on Yates. And you catch him and he, he's walking the opposite direction. You know where he lives. You say, oh, my friend, you're walking, you're walking the opposite direction. You turn him around. You say, your house is that way. Or whatever. Your rabbi's house, your parents' house is that way. So he turns around and he takes a step that way. So then someone says, what did you help him? It didn't help him. Look, he's only one step closer than he was a minute ago he's the same far away from the house you say what are you are you crazy do you know what the difference is between that one step he just took and the step he was taking before the step he was taking before he was walking in the wrong direction the step he took now he's walking in the right direction it's not a difference of the two feet in measurement it's a difference of direction he's a he's on a different trajectory This is a fundamental concept to Elo. We want to change our trajectory. Yes, we can't necessarily wake up tomorrow and be totally different people. We might. Amazing things happen overnight. Hashem backs us up. You wouldn't even believe the types of things 
that happen in your life when you're trying. You would not believe. But the point is, if you decide today to begin to change something about your life because you want to start heading in the direction of upward, the direction of home, the direction of who you're supposed to be, the direction of Hashem's palace. When you take that one step, it's not a difference between a step. It's a difference between direction. You're a totally different person from your head to your toe because now, my friend, you are on a new path. That's the path he's talking about. That's the new house. It doesn't have to look so different. Which way are you facing? Which way are we facing, my friends? If we aim to build a new house, if we aim to make Elul count and to change who we are, and we begin by even the teeniest step, we say, today I'm going to try and change a little bit because I want to head that way, then you are a different person from your head to your toe. My friend, congratulations, you just built a new house. That's not the old house. That's not a Band-Aid. When your goal is to find Hashem and you make a change, then you are on the path that leads to Hashem's front door. It's time to build ourselves a house, a new house, a glorious house. And it's going to start with one step that changes what direction we are going. Point number one. We have four points here. That's point number one. The goal is not the Band-Aid. The goal is to get back in touch with the core. That's what Elul's about. That's why the acronym for Elul is Ani Lidoy I am to my beloved, my beloved is to me. It doesn't talk about a single commandment. It doesn't talk about a single sin. It doesn't talk about judgment. It talks about who we are and who Hashem is to us. That's the core. That's the new house. That's the new path. Let's get on it. Okay. Point number two. See, we would have walked right by this. A, 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 a fence on a roof beats me. I don't have a roof. I don't need a fence. Moving right along. And see, Shalom says, whoa, whoa there. Hashem knows what he's doing when he says to read this during hello. Second thing. When you want to build a new house, you need to put up a fence. Says the Nesiv Shalom, that's the second piece of advice. First, go build a new house. Secondly, let me tell you how to do it. If you want to build a new house, you're going to need a fence. You got to put up a fence, which means we got to envision this like we're getting ready to build our dream home. I mean, that's what you got to imagine. You got to imagine Elul is the time to build a dream home. Here we are. Let's build our dream home. Okay, so we're coming out there and you got to think to yourself, what's it going to take to build this dream home? What materials do I need? What do I want my vanities to look like? Do I want a marble? Do I want marble or am I going to go with plastic? It's up to us. This is the time to remodel your house. This is the time to remodel Judaism, build our dream home. What are we going to build? And part of that, when we come to build our dream home, dream home in, in, in Elul is to ask ourselves, What's going to ruin our dream home? What's going to destroy it? And how do I put up a fence to keep 
my Judaism and my home, my sanctified place where I will live for eternity, where God's name can resonate. How do I put up a fence to stop the things that are going to destroy that? We can't go building our dream home on a swampland. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It falls apart. You could have all the right materials, but if you put yourself in a neighborhood and there's a gang war going on, well, that house ain't, <laughs> ain't going to be worth too much. And it's going to go down. So we want to build a new house. One of the things we need to do when we come into Elul, when we aspire to be different, is we need to ask ourselves honestly, what ruined my house last time? Why did my last house get sold for 50 bucks? <laughs> I was here before. I, tr- I wanted to build a new house. How did the value of my house plummet? Where did my dream house go? And that's an important question. What is harming our dreams? Mesila Shasham writes, you got to know. Is it the people? Is it the people around us? When we decide to build this new house, when we come to Ella, when we're in this class and we're all sitting here and we're like-minded and we're saying, he's right. We could do better. We could grab the world. Let's make this happen. What happens after that that makes it fade? Is it the company we keep? Is that, are they talking about other values and we feel uncomfortable sticking with ours? Is it perhaps the things we expose ourselves to? Is it the fact, like the Messias Yisharim says, that we get caught up and we're so busy that the dream can't be held on to because we don't have time? What's attacking the house? When we figure out, and you got to be honest, you got to figure out what is it? Time to put up fences. We got to put up fences. We got to stick with our values. One of the big mistakes we make sometimes in our Yiddishkeit, in our Judaism, is we think that objects in motion stay in motion. That's a law of physics. That's not a law of spirituality. Objects in motion in spirituality come to a hard stop if something gets in the way, if we don't have something that keeps the fuel going. Spirituality is ready to be ignited, but it can be doused surprisingly easily when the wrong ingredients are around us. Build fences. Good fences make good neighbors. You can love people. You gotta, you gotta love everyone. But you gotta know, I want, you to tell, I want to tell you something. Share with you something personal. When I was in high school, I had a good friend. And this good friend, in the beginning of high school, was very innocent. And we shared a very warm friendship. And as high school progressed, I noticed that he was taking a very different path than I was hoping to go down. But you know, you don't end your friendship, certainly not right away. And we were still very good friends. And I was watching it 
seep into my into me. And you know, you think that you're you're in control. You think you decide everything about yourself, but your environment has an unbelievable impact. And what this guy was getting into, it was starting to indirectly impact me. And I remember at a certain point in high school, I said, Shuki, you've got to make a choice here. And you've got to change your relationship with this person. Or he's going to take you down a path that you're not trying to go down. And it's not an easy choice to make when you have a good friend. It was not, and it was not easy. And you're a high school kid. You're pretty young. But thank God I had my family and they were an icon for me of what I was aiming to be. And that helped me realize that I, I had to. And I did. And don't think, by the way, I had to go and be rude to the person. To this day, they probably have no idea that I officially cut ties. I was still friendly with them. I saw them all the time. But I shifted our relationship. No, we didn't hang out as much. It's subtle. You subtly begin to shift away. You realize that time with that person is not good for you. You steer clear of conversations with that person and you keep the time spent minimal. It's, it's what I did. And unbelievably, it, it, yeah, that works. Now, I'll tell you the good news, end of the story, okay? Because who likes a story that ends bad? The good news is he went off to Israel, turned his life around. Now he's a fabulous person who even gives shiurim out in Israel. He gives classes. He's awesome. I was just in touch with him recently. And, uh, you know, in that conversation, he even brought it up. He was like, yeah, rough few years there. Rough few years for him. Thank goodness he ended up on his feet. Thank goodness that Hashem gave me the insight to realize that I don't have to go down with him. You don't have to go down with anyone, okay? We design our life. We put up our fences. And that could be a person. That could be a a, a TV show. That could be a store, a book, thoughts. That could be busyness. That could be the things that attack us because we don't spend enough time doing the things that can inspire us. Whatever it is, think about your dream home. Think about what's going to make it. Get infested with termites and figure out how to put up those fences. Pay those guys. Let them spray spray for the mosquitoes. You know that. If you live in Memphis, if they're not spraying for the mosquitoes, you basically don't have a backyard, right? You got to put up the protection. You got to put up what you need to to keep your dream home your dream home. Point number two, okay? Build your dream home in Elo. Don't settle for less. Realign our trajectory. We want to get on board, and sometimes it's one small step, but that's getting on a different plane. The difference between one flight and another is just a few steps. Get on the right flight, shift our direction, shift our trajectory, aim towards Hashem's palace, and begin to build a beautiful new house. Step two, you want to keep your new house, you want to build your new house, where do you need to put your fences? We got to think about life. Think about what hurt us in the past year. Think about what's hurting us now, what's ruining our trajectory, and let's put up some fences. Let's get our fences in place. Let's keep our hallowed space holy and precious for us to grow and for Hashem to be in our lives. Three. says the Nesiva Shalom, based on the Toldos Yaakov Yosef. 
Why did it say put a fence on your roof? Why did it focus on a roof? Because the gag, which is the roof of the house, that's an allusion to you, the roof of your body, your head. That one of the most important places to put up our fences, to start to check what is coming in and what impact is that having on us, is on the gates of our head. Like it says in Parsha, Shoftim, 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 Titim, Sharecha, you should put judges by your gates. And the Svar, Makadoshim, the Holy Book say, what does it mean put judges and policemen by your gates? It means by the gates of your head, your eyes, your mouth, your ears, that which takes in information, that which says and expresses your mouth, we got to have our judges and our policemen there. This is a powerful piece of advice that he says, put a fence around your roof. That means put a fence around the openings that we might fall into that are in our head, our eyes, our ears, our mouth. And listen to what he says. Chazal say, listen to what he says. Our rabbis tell us, Ha'ayin roya, the eye sees. And then the halev the heart desires, uklimaisa goimrim, and then our body acts and completes the action. So we're doing something wrong. We're acting wrong. We've developed the wrong character, but we got to trace it back to its root. Well, our hearts are motivated to go that way. Okay, what's the root of that? Chazal tell us, ha'ayin roya. It started with the eye that saw something. The eye is absorbing. Our ears are absorbing. We are constantly absorbing into our mind and our being values and a way of seeing things and a priorities of life. What's coming in? We got to put a fence around our gag, around our head. We got to ask ourselves, what's going in? And the person says, well, what's the problem? I watch, you know, you, you, I'm watching the, the, the show. And yeah, the people aren't the best people. I admit the people in that show are not the best people. But you know, it's just a show. It's just entertainment. And we say, I don't think that will have any impact on me. Well, let me tell you something. It ain't the Nesiva Shalom that's going to prove to you that they have an impact. That what we see and what we read and what we watch and what we witness and what we hear, that that has an impact on us. I'm not going to prove it to you from the Nesiva Shalom. I'll prove it to you from the companies of the world. Coca-Cola spends $4 billion in advertising. Lexus spends $3.6 billion to advertise their products. Nike spends $3.5 billion. That's a lot of money. Billions of dollars to advertise their product. Why? Why are they wasting their money? 
Do you know why? Not because the Nesiva Shalom, not because some rabbi told them, but because they know they studied the world and they paid people a lot of money to realize that it works. That when they're going to show us, and I'm embarrassed to say this, I'm honestly embarrassed as a human being to say this, but this is the way we tick and we must know how we tick so we can win. But guess what? You keep driving down the block, you keep driving down Poplar, you keep driving down the highway, and you see a billboard. It doesn't make any logical arguments about why Coke is better. It doesn't explain why it's better for your health. It doesn't do anything. It just shows a picture of someone drinking Coke. They show a picture of the Coke with ice, and it looks refreshing. Nothing. All they did is show you a picture. And they spent... $4 billion showing people pictures. Do you know why? Because yes, Shuki Nissan, from seeing that picture, is going to be influenced to buy a Coke the next time he's in the store. It's worth them pouring billions of dollars because they will make billions and billions and billions of dollars of all the people that are going to buy Coke because of that picture. So I tell you, do you need me to tell you that what we see impacts us? You can't even decide what to buy in a store because they made you buy a Coke by showing you a picture. Is that frightening? Yes, that's frightening. Embarrassing? I'm embarrassed, yes. I'm embarrassed that they're able to control me like that. But let's recognize that it's true. And let's not keep saying to ourselves, no, but I can see and I won't be impacted. If you were right, they wouldn't put $4 billion on the line. They are right. They know what they're doing. Billions and billions of dollars are going into the advertising industry because it works. What we see becomes who we are. What we expose ourselves to impacts who we are. It's not always a conscious decision. And therefore, just saying, well, I won't do that. I won't follow them. I won't listen to that friend and the way they talk. I won't agree. I won't agree with the values that this show is proposing. They seem to glamorize wealth, but I know it's not wealth. No, you don't. You knew it wasn't wealth. But every time you see that, a little bit more spirituality goes down and wealth goes up. Physicality goes up. The more we see things that are not in line with our values. No, no, I know the guy in that show or in that book or that guy that I could see and I spent time with. I know he's not a nice person. I know she's not a nice person. But I don't agree with those values. You don't. But every time you expose yourself to it, a little of that, gets eroded and replaced with the ad because everything is an ad, whether it's meant to be or not. Your show that you watch is an ad for everything that they put as a priority. The people around us advertise their values. Everyone and everything is an ad, so to speak. And it's getting absorbed right into our bones. And Coke will bet $4 billion that that's true. So if you wanna put 4 billion against theirs, Maybe I'll listen to your argument that it's not. Right now, I believe Coke. I believe Nike. I believe Lexus. 
and they've got successful products to prove their point. It works. And it works for us. And that's both in the way the Nasir Shalom is saying, which is put our fences here. Let's keep our safe place. Let's keep it free from things that are going to undermine our dream home. And it's coming in through the eyes and the ears. It is. It's coming in. The values of the world are not our values. We don't have to sit there soaking it up like a sponge. You don't have to. You're a free person. Click it off. Click it off. Set yourself free. We don't have to let it in. And if we do let it in, we need to know it's impacting us. So let's get our fences up in general and then on our gag, on our roof, on our head, on the entranceways into our mind and into our heart. And it's important to know, though, that this works the other way as well. And this is such an awesome tool and trick of life. The same way we need those fences up to keep the bad stuff out because it really impacts us. Do you know how amazing it is to go see the right things? Do you know what it is to go see something inspiring, to go read something inspiring, to hang around people that you find live a life of the priorities that you want in your life? It's without effort, all of those values also pour into you. Just like negative values can, we can absorb great values. It's unbelievable. How many things when you see a certain person doing it, you go, oh, that's what davening is. You know, you see the person getting into davening. I've had it. I remember I showed up once to davening and I saw a kid, the kid was younger than me. I saw him holding his tefillin and kissing his tefillin over and over again. He was getting ready to just wrap them up, I think. And he was just sitting there like with his eyes closed, kissing and kissing and kissing them. And let me tell you something. I saw that and I had, that's what tefillin are. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. But you see that. You see somebody, they're an ad also. He was an advertisement for tefillin. That's what he was. He was an advertisement for tefillin. He was worth $4 billion. Because that goes in and it's still with me. It's years and years later. I don't even know how many years ago that is, but that image is still in my mind, that kid kissing his tefillin like that. What we surround, we could surround ourselves with goodness. Online, there's so much there. In our lives, there's so much there. On our bookshelves, there's so much there. We can surround ourselves with that and that also goes in. So let's put up the fences to keep the bad out and let's open the doors to let the good in. Let's choose who we hang out with, where we hang out, what we see, because you can bring in such goodness into your life and it's almost effortless. Just like you're going to buy Coke, even though you never tried to like Coke. You can also buy Torah and growth just by seeing the right advertisements. That's the next point. So let's review before we get to fourth point. Build a new house. Change the core. Change the core of who we are, of our operating system, of why we wake up in the morning. Let's remember why it's amazing. Let's build ourselves a dream home. Point two, dream home needs fences. In all of our areas of life, let's ask ourselves, what's messing us up. You know, you say you don't want to get angry, but you got to ask yourself, what keeps making me get angry? 
And where can I put up a fence to keep myself out of that rut? You know, a guy says he wants to be a good husband, but he keeps finding himself somewhere on the internet he shouldn't be. You got to put up a fence, my friend. It ain't going to be willpower. You got to have the will to build the house, but then you got to put up the fences. We got to figure out what's derailing us and put it up. And then thirdly, a fence on our roof. The stuff coming in from the eyes, the stuff we are seeing, witnessing, the stuff we are hearing, we got to know that even if we say, I disagree with it, I'm not letting that in. It's coming in. It's coming in. You got to put up a fence there. And when you put up a fence there, you also can choose to let in the right types of influences. And that is a powerful tool in growth and building our dream home. And now we come to the fourth. The fourth unbelievable point that the Nesiva Shalom is able to pull out of this one basic, unbelievable. He says, Ki sivne chadosh. You want to build a new home? Put up a fence around the roof. You know what the roof is? The roof is the roish, like he said. Your head. He said it's also... It means the head of the year. The Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. That if we want to build a new house, if we want to set a year into motion that will be a meaningful and incredible year of a new set of values, the Gag, the beginning of the year, that's when we're able to change the trajectory. And this is to resolve another classic question that we have this time of year. Sometimes we say, I'm going to try and do this and this differently. And then we say, "Uh, that's not going to last. That's not going to last. So what's the point? Why should I set the sights so high and claim that I'm going to do all this differently and start like that when I know that it's going to fizzle after a month or two. And the truth of this is that the Chidush Arim says this explicitly in a number of places. He says a person needs to know everything follows the beginning. Because even if you can't keep to what you start at the beginning, that sets a bar and it leaves an impression of holiness, he says. And that impression of holiness will help you for the rest of the year. You may not keep up to the same you that you were in the beginning, but you will be better than you thought. Because what you do in the beginning leaves a mark for the rest of the year. There's an expression, they say, that reach for the stars. You may not get one, but you won't get a fistful of dirt either. Reach for the stars. Are we going to grab a star for a month? We'll rock. What's going to happen after us? Will we slide back a little bit? Yes, but when you start with that, when you start with that mission, with that sense that I'm going to change and transform and be something glorious, we may fade, but we'll never really fade. That left an impression. That left a mark. You want to keep sitting by his house? You want to build a new house? Start with the Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year. Make that impression. Make this time count. Don't let the HR come and tell you, oh, but you're not going to live up to it. Good, so I won't. Tell him good. I won't. I won't. I'm just going to do it for a month because you know what? What happens after a month 
you're not going to imagine what an impression that leaves on you. And you may not even keep up to the exact same standards, but you will never go back to being the same person you were. It always makes an impression. There's an unbelievable, I don't know the source for this. I really don't know the source for it. I tried to trace it down today and I couldn't find it. That we say Friday night davening. Moshe and Aaron were these heavenly priests, servants of God. And Shmuel, and they called his name. It's hard to read. When they called him his name. Shmuel is simply put talking about the prophet Shmuel. But why does it say that they called him his name Shmuel? And I heard once an unbelievable fact, and I tried to find it today. I didn't find it yet. That in the times of Shmuel Hanavi, the great prophet Shmuel, before Shmuel was born, they knew that there was going to be a prophet named Shmuel. They had no idea who it was going to be, whose child it was going to be. So everyone who had a child at that time, when they knew that Shmuel the prophet was supposed to be born, everyone in the ward that day, they all named their kid Shmuel. Because maybe he's the prophet. And that although only one of them ended up being the true prophet Shmuel, they all became prophets. Every one of them. You know why? Because their mothers named them Shmuel and said, we're going to start assuming that he is the prophet. And you know what? They didn't end up being that one. But because they started with that aspiration, every one of them became a prophet of some level. Every one of them. They may not have reached the star that they were reaching for, but they sure landed in heaven. They landed in heaven. And for every one of us, the beginning of the year, the beginning of this new year, this is when you light the fireworks. Don't hold back. Don't let the Yitzhahara say, but it, you're not going to keep to it. I don't care. So then we will start with a bang and we'll go out with a bang. Because when you start with that bang, when you start with Shmuel Kareshamay, I'm calling myself Shmuel. This year I'm calling myself Shmuel the prophet. That's how I'm starting the year. Then without a doubt, that year will end up a different year. Then when no matter where you end up, you'll be a different person because of that beginning. And if you slide back, you're sliding back from a much higher point. And therefore your battles will be different. Your sliding back will be different. And your moments of inspiration will be different. Why? Says the Nesiva Shalom Kisivnebayaschadosh, you want to build a new house? Go for the beginning of the year. Put the fence around the gag, the roish, the beginning of the year. Make the beginning count because that makes all the difference in the world. And the Yetzirah is going to come to you. I'm telling you he's going to because he knows. He gets very aggravated by this class. I want you to know. The Yetzirah does not like this class that I'm very certain of. Okay? And he knows that here we're talking about taking a step in the right direction and changing our lives and beginning to build the space that we want to in Elul and realizing we can. And he's going to try and come with this argument and say, but you know you can't, right? 
You know you tried last year. You know it's going to fall. And the answer to that is we don't know anything. This year, we may rock. Hashem may pick us up to a different place. And it does. Every year, we actually do transform. We never go back to the same. And even if we don't start, end up in a month or two, the same as we started now, what we do now will define what we look like in a month or two. What we put in now will determine what we're living in in two months. So, let's review. It's Elo. It's the glorious month. I am to my beloved, my beloved is to me. It's not about band-aids. It's not about putting in a window AC unit. It's about turning over to central air. It's about remodeling the whole house, gutting and starting over, getting ourselves on a new path. And what that means is realigning with our core values. Why we wake up in the morning, who Hashem is to us, and why we want to be part of it. How every day of life is building our own eternity, and we want to get up and rock it. How every moment of life is more glorious than all the gold in the world. Let's realign with that. That's what it means to get a new house. And let's remember that even a little step when it comes from changing the core of our values is a change in our direction. And that is a new house. Don't let the Yetzirah say small steps don't matter. Small steps change your direction. They change everything. And that's how you build a new house. When you change your trajectory, when you go from, I don't care about being with God from, I do care. And now I'm going to do something about it. That's step one. Build a new house. Reconnect with our core values. Reconnect with the fact that Hashem's our beloved. And let's begin to take steps about, to do something about it. That's going to build our new house. Let's build our dream home. It's the house we live in. It's the house God lives in. Point number two, if we want a new home to last, we got to put up fences, ask ourselves what tore down that home last time. What's attacking us? Where do we keep tripping up? And what can we do? to avoid those pitfalls, to avoid the areas or the challenges or the tests that are ruining us? What can we do to make that spirituality more in our life? What's taking us away from spirituality? Let's figure out how to put up a fence so that we could get our lives back, get our dream home to be ours so that no intruders could come in. Let's get the insulation up so that the cold air stops going out. Let's build it in a way that lasts. That's point two. Point three. You know where you got to put those fences? First and foremost, one of the most important places is a place that you sometimes think they're not impacting you. That's your rush. What you see, you may say, you're not buying it. I'm not following it. I'm not following it. $4 billion of advertising says we are. Let's put up a fence around our eyes, around our ears, around what we're exposed to. Let's protect ourselves so that we're not internalizing bad messages. And let's put ourselves in the right place to internalize beautiful, amazing messages that are the right priorities and the right values. And point number four, all the magic can happen right here, right now in Elo. You want to build a new house? Start in the beginning of the year. This is when it can happen. And even if you can't imagine that you're going to keep it, start with a bang. Because that is what's going to make it happen. We have no idea where we'll end up if we start the year shooting for the stars. We have no idea, but one thing is for certain. Everything we put into this month, everything we put into this time of year will transform 
the way our entire year looks, the entire way our future is. It all starts right here in the beautiful days of Elul. So my dear friends, may God help us and may every one of us go out there and build our dream homes.